Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And not just the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Happy Saturday, everybody. Uh, The Ghost Army came up briefly in our recent episode on Joan Curran, so it seemed like exactly the right time to put out that episode again. This one originally came out almost exactly five years ago on January 28th, 2015. So enjoy. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy B. Wilson. And today we're going to talk a little bit about military history, and it's World War II specifically. And even though this particular piece uh, uh, that we're discussing is, in fact, military history, if there were a history of ingenuity or sleight of hand, I think this would probably be one of the big events on that timeline. Uh, So we're going to be talking about the U.S. Ghost Army, which was a top-secret group that was assembled to create confusion and mislead Axis forces. And it's a really amazing story that stars ingenuity and bravado as sort of the, the main elements of the piece. And the idea of military deception was, of course, not new to World War II. Everyone has heard of, like, the Trojan horse, for example, and deceit as a tactic as part of Sun Tzu's art of war. Almost any culture in history that found itself at war with another culture used some type of trickery to try to outsmart the enemy because that's sort of a vital part of getting the upper hand in a conflict is is misleading so that you can kind of swoop in with your forces. But this group really went to some pretty extraordinary measures to achieve their goals, and they did some really fascinating and cool things. Uh, and so, and it was classified for a long time and then kind of came to light. So we are going to talk about it today because it is really cool. So to start out, uh, 
at the beginning, like we normally do. The 23rd Headquarters Special Troops was the one and only deception outfit that the U.S. Army had ever authorized. The goal was to corral a group of creative thinkers to approach warfare in new ways. And this sort of trickery-focused effort was inspired by the success of Operation Bertram, in which Allied forces used dummy tanks and camouflage to trick Rommel's forces into an incorrect assessment of the Allies' position and strength during the Second Battle of El Alamein in North Africa. And also bolstering this case for a deception unit was the U.S. success in misleading German intelligence leading up to the Battle of Tunisia. They realized deception was working, and they thought, let's just have a unit that's focused on this. The idea of forming a unit uh, dedicated just to this is attributed to Captain Ralph Ingersoll. Before the war, he had been a celebrity journalist, and he'd been working with Great Britain on deception techniques to mislead the Germans in the time leading up to D-Day. On Christmas Eve of 1943, a memo to the Assistant Chief of Staff for Operations, War Department in Washington, D.C., officially requested the creation of a unit with a mission, quote, to simulate a corps of two infantry divisions and one armored divisions and corps installations, railhead, dumps, etc. So, beginning in 1944, more than 1,000 young men were recruited, and they were often recent art school graduates or ad agency creatives, and they were handpicked for this assignment. Recruits were sent to Camp Forest in Tullahoma, Tennessee to train. Within the 23rd were several companies. The 244th Signal Company worked on radio counterintelligence. The 3132nd Signal Service Company, which was actually trained at Pine Camp, New York, worked to develop sonic deception techniques. The 406th Engineer Combat Company worked on the big construction projects and was in charge of security. And often you'll hear this effort mentioned, like when people say, oh, the Ghost Army, they used inflatable tanks to deceive the Germans. And that is partially true. But as we mentioned in breaking down these different companies within the 23rd, it was a whole lot more than that. Yeah, I feel like the tanks get the big, like, kind of BuzzFeedy headlines all the time. Yeah, which is understandable. There's really cool video that exists, like where you can see them rolling over these inflated tanks. And they're... I don't know that I have ever heard any of the audio recordings, and I don't think I've ever seen anyone reference them online. So it, you can see where the tanks get all the attention, but that was not all there was. For instance, audio work, sometimes referred to as sonic deception, was a huge piece of the Ghost Army puzzle. Yeah, they would mount these huge speakers to project elaborate soundscapes and radio plays that were were created by the 3132nd Signal Service Company. And these men had recorded tanks and trucks and artillery units, and they sound engineered them into a number of different soundtracks. And these recordings would include sounds of tanks on the move or military construction, and they would even have things like vehicles sputtering. And they basically amassed this really amazing sound catalog of basically every military vehicle that they had access to doing everything those machines could do. So they could kind of piece them together and create uh, unique and specific radio dramas, basically. So if you wanted to broadcast a battalion of vehicles starting up in the distance and moving closer, they could create that with their vast library of recordings, uh, complete with idiosyncratic engine noises for specific vehicles and kind of mimic that distance to slowly moving forward nearness that you would hear if you were in one position with an actual troop going by. 
I like to imagine this as an extremely high-tech version of uh, of following King Arthur around, banging coconuts together. <laughs> but it was very high-tech, even for the time. I mean, they were really kind of on the advanced edge of technology and how they were using sound. Yeah. Well, and it's the, like these that kind of sound work happens in movies and TV and things like that all the time now. Like, that's... Yeah. That's just sort of how it works. So this was a different use for that. In addition to the three companies created with new recruits, another company was looped into the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops, and that was the 603rd Engineer Camouflage Battalion. The men of the 603rd had been working on camouflage for a couple of years already, so they brought their expertise to a group already in a fairly polished state. They had already managed an impressive accomplishment by disguising the plant in Baltimore where B-26 bombers were assembled. In the event that Axis forces wished to look for the plant, what they would see when they flew over was just a regular rural area. Uh, And before we get to how the 23rd trained and then made their way to Europe, uh, do you want to pause for a moment for a word from a sponsor? Yes, I do. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business, and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day, seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if everyone's being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands in over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for 
for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So during the spring of 1944, the men of the 23rd were training, but they were training in skills that seemed in many ways more appropriate for a touring theater company than for a group of soldiers. So they built prototype prop vehicles, first out of wood and burlap and then out of rubber. The rubber versions looked incredibly realistic, but they weighed less than 100 pounds apiece. The men would also train with dummy artillery and other prop equipment. They practiced sending each other fake radio messages, and they learned just enough about other different outfits that they could impersonate them, either as individuals or as a group. And men who couldn't sew had to learn because they were going to have to quickly alter their uniforms and switch out patches as they sort of performed these presto changeo masquerades. In May, the majority of the 23rd boarded the USS Henry Gibbons in New York, bound for Great Britain. They spent about a month near Stratford-on-Avon while they trained, although by all accounts, there was also quite a bit of partying. Yeah, this sounds like really a lovely time that they had while they were in Britain. Uh, But the first wave of men from the 23rd shipped out to France just following D-Day, and this was a small platoon. It was just 15 men, and they landed at Omaha Beach on June 14th. So just add a week, a little more. Uh, And nurses actually flew with them so that they could tend to the wounded that were waiting there on the beach. Going from a month in the idyllic British countryside, having what was kind of a party-esque atmosphere, into the reality of war in France was, of course, something of a shock. Knowing that they were there to draw fire, some of the men thought that the 23rd was really a suicide outfit. Yeah, they they had been trained in different sort of arts and uh deceptions, but not so much in actual combat. So they really did, some of them really did think at that point, like, oh, they're just sending us there to die. 
uh, and take the heat off the real soldiers. But over the course of the next two months, the rest of the 23rd joined their fellows in France, uh, leading up to their first big mission, which was Operation Elephant. About half of the men in the unit were involved in Operation Elephant, during which they pretended to be the Army's 2nd Armored Division. The real 2nd Armored Division was on the move while the 23rd kept up the appearances. Yeah, and that's sort of a theme of their their missions throughout. And while this sham did indeed work, uh, nearby German troops held their position rather than following the real 2nd Armored Division because they did believe they were still there. This was also a pretty big learning experience. Uh, During this particular operation, it was revealed that if the inflatable tanks that the 23rd used lost even a small amount of air, the cannons would droop and give the whole thing away. They really, there are some... um, paintings that you can find online and in documentaries where you see sort of this droopy (laughs) cannon barrel, and it it really does look comical. It's an inherently comical image. Yeah, their tanks are not made to fire into the ground, (laughs) so it looked very, very silly. Uh, And while they were not discovered in their theatrics during Operation Elephant, It also became apparent that setting up an entire false division was going to be better executed in the dark of night. They had not waited until really late. They used some daylight hours to do it. And they also realized that they really needed to, like, tighten up their disguise and camouflage game if they wanted to ensure future success. The entire 23rd was then tasked with Operation Brest, which was named for the nearby French port city. That was in August 1944. The Sonic Unit was the last to arrive in France, so Brest was the first time that the 23rd had their full arsenal of tricks at their disposal. And the goal was to create the impression of an existing tank unit having far greater power than it actually did, with the hopes that they would trick the Germans into a surrender. And so the 23rd used a mix of actual tanks and dummies, uh, flash canisters to sort of fake tanks firing, and sound mixing to create this really convincing illusion of a huge tank division. And the main bravado move of this mission came in the delivery of some of these soundscapes that they had mixed. So late at night, members of the 23rd would actually sort of creep forward with their sound equipment. They would get within about 500 yards of the enemy line, and they would play sounds of what sounded like officers issuing orders and people yelling counter orders and even like fake situations of arguments where there would be accidents that were staged and there would be cursing at these imaginary errors. They were all doing this really pretty close to enemy lines. Uh, It was pretty... To think about what that must have been like sitting there in the dark with your speaker playing these things, knowing how very close you were. It's sobering to think about. It was effective. uh, So effective that it confused friendly units positioned about a mile away. And while it didn't get the Germans under General Hermann B. von Ramke to turn tail, it did keep them from going anywhere. This was a good thing, since that was an estimated 38,000 troops, and that was almost double what the Allies had initially estimated. If they had not been tricked into holding their line against this perceived threat from this puffed-up, half-fake tank battalion, they might have gone on the offensive and then really damaged the Allied forces. And throughout the rest of 1944 and on into 1945, the 23rd continued to run these military masquerade games. And with every mission, they would kind of regroup and refine their playbook and see what had worked and what hadn't, and they just got better and better and better. 
They learned how to stage and set dress their fake camps more and more authentically, and they started hand-painting patches to mimic those of existing units So they, uh, if they couldn't get a hold of real ones. Then they would stage fake headquarters to give out fake promotions so low-ranking men would look like generals and other officers, creating the full illusion of real operations. And then late at night, they would, you know, go where they were called and inflate their faux vehicles and artillery under cover of darkness so that when dawn came, it would appear as though a huge surge of troops had arrived in the area. And in addition to providing this false image of battle-ready army troops where there was really only a line of fake vehicles and pre-recorded noise, the 23rd's ability to seem to appear out of thin air and vanish just as quickly actually had a really unnerving effect on the enemy. So the German army started calling them the Phantom Army. Other tricks included the ongoing burning of fires at camps that were deserted and different ways to create fake tank tracks. In addition to the inflatable tanks and trucks, they also used dummy planes and buildings. They could mix fake radio transmissions in with the real ones to confuse the enemy. And they mounted fake parachute drops and put up signs directing allied vehicles that were never actually coming. But this elaborate spectacle also included a whole lot of acting on the part of the troops. So knowing that any U.S. troops were always being watched by German soldiers or spies, or sometimes there were French people working for the Germans as informants, the boys of the 23rd would really employ all manner of ruses. They would change out their unit insignias, as we mentioned, on uniforms, as well as on vehicles. They would do quick stencil work to change everything up. And they would make sure that they were seen about town, wherever they were, kind of drinking and hanging out. And if they were asked what unit they were a part of, they would just make up names or reference a unit that they were covering for. And some of them even would uh, sort of mount these these fake little tableau where they would feign drunkenness and blab false information in public places. So this sort of became this ongoing game of misinformation and subterfuge where they were just sort of always acting. This wasn't completely flawless, though. Sometimes there were mistakes and problems. On occasion, a dummy tank would be inflated facing the wrong direction because all of these setup parts were being done at night. It was easy enough to lift one and turn it around, but if it was already daylight when they realized the problem, they were going to have to do it with really careful timing so as not to be noticed. At one point, several vehicles that had been inflated in the night were warmed so much the sun came up that the air expanding inside them caused them to pop loudly as they sprang leaks. And while this sort of sounds hilarious... It was happening during a war, so all of these accidents put the men involved at serious risk. And all in all, there were 21 missions mounted by the 23rd. And before we get to sort of the biggest one that they undertook, uh, do you want to do a quick word from a sponsor? Let's do. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from 
the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper... You're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day, seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if everyone's being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be, with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel, for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. (music) 
So the biggest and what is arguably the most successful of the 23rd's missions was Operation Virsen, and this took place near the war's end. Relatively speaking, it wasn't right at the end, but it was in March of 1945, and this basically launched a big visible decoy mission to once again cover the movements of other troops. While parts of the 9th Army were moving north to quietly cross the Rhine, the 23rd was making a big show of pretending to be those troops farther south. They masqueraded as the 9th and ran practice and training maneuvers for a crossing at Viersen and just publicly enough to draw lots of attention. And this was really a massive effort. So they set up fake medical and engineering facilities. They uh, had trucks and sonic crews creating the illusion of convoys moving supplies. Uh, At one point, they were just having trucks loaded up where they would be driving them back and forth, and they would put two guys at the very back so it looked like it was full of troops, but in fact, there were only two guys at the back. Uh, They arranged everything perfectly so that an aerial reconnaissance taking pictures would have no idea that the entire thing was a hoax. They One of the reasons that they used artists was so they could conceptually visualize like how things would look from multiple angles, even when they didn't have those angles available to them. So they really made this whole thing beautifully realistic, even though it was, in fact, all a hoax. When the real Ninth crossed the Rhine, the Germans were taken totally by surprise. Those German troops that could resist them were disorganized and unprepared, so U.S. casualties were very few. The 23rd received a commendation from the Ninth Army Commander William Simpson for their effort. Uh, A later estimate by Simpson placed the number of troops that were saved by this deception at 10,000. And it ended up being the 23rd's last mission of the war. And in September of 1945, the uh, 23rd was completely shut down. So one of the inherent dangers of being in a ghost army designed to draw attention is that it also draws fire. So it's easy to think of all this pageantry and strategic sleight of hand as really fun and fascinating, but it really put the men involved at great risk. At one point, they were actually set up in Bastogne, and they actually missed the start of the Battle of the Bulge by about four hours. They had been pulled out around midnight of December 16th, and this is at this point 1944, and the fighting started around 4 a.m. So had those men been trapped there with their phony equipment, they would have been in incredibly dire straits and unable to defend themselves. During the Battle of the Bulge, the 23rd returned to Luxembourg City, where they had already spent a lot of time and fired from the rooftops at the incoming Luftwaffe aircraft. This is the only time they ever really, for real, fired at the enemy. Yeah, it was their one their one time that they actually got to perform actual combat activities. Uh, and the 23rd after that was very quickly moved to Verdun. So in part, the uh, Allies wanted to maintain the secrecy of the Ghost Army, and in another part, they realized that this blow-up dummy artillery was not going to be any good in a fight, so they just wanted to clear them out. And the men ended up spending Christmas in Verdun. While the group had been extraordinarily lucky throughout their time, their luck finally ran out in the spring of 1945. On March 12th, while impersonating the 80th Infantry, the 23rd drew German artillery fire. Two of their men were killed and 15 others were wounded. This was really their worst day, in spite of having been in incredibly dangerous areas many times as they kept up false appearances all through the war. 
And one of the problems that comes up when uh, discussing the 23rd and their effectiveness and sort of assessing what they were able to achieve lies in the fact that so much of their work was secret and often it fooled Allied forces as well as the enemy. Like, uh, the Allied forces didn't even really know what was going on with them a lot of the time. They thought they were just another unit. After the war, most of the men stayed quiet about the amazing works of deceptive art that they had been a part of. The work was classified, so in the event that the U.S. found itself at war again, having a ghost army would be a really valuable asset. So the military didn't want to tip its hand and reveal this resource. But finally in 1996, so almost 19 years ago from when we're recording this, the work of the 23rd was declassified, and the men who had only been able to give cagey answers to their families about what they had done in the war were now free to speak of their incredible efforts. One of the truly significant aspects of the 23rd and the work that they did is the fact that an entire division of creative people was successfully managed within the structure of the military. Yeah, this is one of those things that people often go like, look, these were all artists and they totally were able to work together in this this effort. And I don't know if that speaks to like their level of commitment or independence. You know, it's one of those things that often likes to get bandied about, particularly when you're talking about modern business. Like, oh, it's hard to manage creative people. It's like these guys managed and they were doing some scary stuff. Yeah, I think it also <laughs> speaks to the like perpetual mythologizing of creative work as some kind of extraordinary thing when in a lot of cases it is work. Yeah, which isn't to say that like creative inspiration isn't really fabulous and cool and unique in many ways, but... I just, I find that to be a really interesting one, that we do mythologize working with creative types. And I say this as a creative person married to an artist as well, like, but it can be, anybody can be managed. Right. You know, any sort of effort (laughs) can be put together. Uh, It's... It's all about, you know, using people's assets. Uh, And another really incredible legacy is the artwork that a lot of these men were doing while they were deployed. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Yeah, it's really no surprise that a lot of the men who were involved in effectively doing art for the Army went on to careers in the arts. So, uh, for example, Bill Blass, of course, went on to build a fashion empire. He'd actually been sketching women's clothing during the war. Yeah, there was one uh, interview that I saw with uh, one of the other members of the 23rd, and he was saying, and I don't know if he was serious or not, that Bill Blass would read Vogue magazine in foxholes, but... (laughs) I have no idea, but I loved it. Uh, Art Kane, of course, became a very well-known photographer. His photo, entitled A Great Day in Harlem, which was taken in 1958, featured 57 prominent jazz musicians, and it's still considered one of the most important images of jazz history. And he also took a lot of incredible celebrity portraits, and he was the photographer for the one and only DeLorean magazine ad to ever run. Ellsworth Kelly made a career as a painter and a sculptor and became known for use of really bright color and very hard edges. Uh, Arthur Singer became an illustrator, and he really became known for his incredibly detailed bird illustrations. So if you have ever looked at an illustrated birding field guide, uh, odds are really good that you've seen his work because it's been in everything. Jack Macy went on to design backdrops for the State Department. Eventually, he designed the kitchen set that was used for the Nixon-Khrushchev debate of 1959. 
Uh, and there's a really wonderful documentary called The Ghost Army that I highly recommend for people that uh, want to hear accounts from some of the surviving members of the 23rd. And one of the reasons I really loved it, too, is that uh, it, it being a visual medium, they're able to show a lot of the artwork that these men were doing while they were in France and and performing all these amazing maneuvers. And one of the men says something like, you know, we were in all these crazy circumstances, but we could always find time or a place to duck away and do a quick watercolor, which I think is just super charming. <laughs> like they, they just were all artists at heart, even though they were part of this amazing war effort. And that documentary is, as of this recording in early 2015, is available on Netflix. And it's a little longer than an hour uh, and you get to see a lot of this really amazing art and just interviews with these guys. And it deals a little bit more with with them as individuals rather than like what we've covered is so much of sort of the bigger kind of broad strokes of the whole unit. But this really focuses on some of the different men and has interviews with them that are really quite charming and touching and really, really entertaining. Uh, so I highly recommend that. And that is the Ghost Army, which is just such a the whole thing is so cool. And I'm surprised, even though it does pop up sometimes in, like, uh, you know, listicles online, uh, people don't really know about it. Like, it's another one of those things where I thought, oh, everyone's heard about this. We've had a few requests for it. But then when I mention it to people, they look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then when I say a few things, they get sort of this, like, agog, really? What? <laughs> so clearly, this is, there's there's some gap in, in their... Uh, in the knowledge about these guys and it's they did such amazing things that I think everybody should know what their work was like. Thank you so much for joining us today for this Saturday Classic. If you have heard any kind of email address or maybe a Facebook URL during the course of the episode, that might be obsolete. It might be doubly obsolete because we have changed our email address again. You can now reach us at historypodcasts at iheartradio.com and we're all over social media at Missed in History. And you can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. 
Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.